Welcome to the new little life podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. All right, welcome back to the New Little Life podcast. Today's guest, I am really, really looking forward to diving into an in-depth chat with her. Sometimes on this podcast, especially in season two, we have some working moms sharing their story, and we've had a few professionals and businesses kind of sprinkled in there as well. Today, we have a really good mixture of both. This is Lori Mahalik-Levin, JD. She believes in empowering working parents, which is just exactly what I'm doing. So we're going to have a good chat today. She is the founder and CEO of Mindful Return, author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave, and co-host of the Parents at Work podcast. She's a mama to two wonderful redheaded boys, ages 9 and 11, and is a healthcare lawyer in private practice. Her thought on leadership has been featured in publications including Forbes, The Washington Post, New York Times Parenting, and Thrive Global. Welcome, Lori. It's an honor to have you, really. I'm so excited to be here with you, Allison. This uh, topic of working parenthood is one I care deeply about and know that we are compatriots in wanting to support working parents. This is going to be a great episode to check the show notes. We're going to have all of the things that I just mentioned about Lori down there, as well as new little life stuff. It's all geared toward working parents and making that a little bit easier. So Lori, why don't you just start out telling me a little bit about yourself, how you came to this point in your career? Just dive in. I'd love to know. Sure. So I'd like to say that I wear three main hats in life. Now I know as working parents, we wear like 712 hats every day, mm-hmm. yep. but the three that I wear right now are as mom to my nine and 11 year olds. Um, so I've been at this working parent thing for like a decade. My oldest just started in middle school. Ah! Um, second hat is that I'm a Medicare reimbursement nerd. I'm a lawyer and I practice law as my side gig now, probably in about 15% of my work week. And then the third hat that I wear is as the founder and CEO of a program I developed called Mindful Return, which I'll tell you the story of because it's why we're here talking today. Yes, please do. Um, Essentially, I had baby number one, my beloved now 11-year-old, and went back to work full time. I was working for a healthcare trade association as an in-house policy lawyer. And I found it remarkably challenging to go back to work as one does. (laughs) Yeah, shocker. He refused to take a bottle and I can go more into the issues around um, breastfeeding and pumping for him. But ultimately, I learned that I had excess lipase in my breast milk and had to have both a pumping and scalding endeavor uh, for my milk three times a day. Um, Two years later, along came baby number two and I completely went off the rails. I am fairly certain I had some undiagnosed postpartum anxiety. I was crying a lot on the kitchen floor. Things were not pretty. And I looked around for resources and said, why is it that I can find all the things related to my baby, which is great. Like I need to know how to, you know, pump and puree baby food and all that stuff. But what about me? What about my personal and professional identity transition that I was going through? And I couldn't find anything. So ultimately, I set out to create what I wished had existed for myself. And I developed a two week, uh, sorry, a four week online cohort based program that new parents take 
pretty much when they're out on parental leave and their anxiety is starting to spike about coming back, that puts them in a group of other people who are all on the same stage and helps them navigate that transition so that they can come back in a much calmer and more empowered way. Um, I've been at this for eight years. We now serve new moms and new dads, and we have 93 companies that offer our program as a parental leave benefit. So you can either sign up for it yourself as a new parent or your employer might provide it to you. That's amazing. I had no clue you could even get employers to do that. So yes, yes. very cool. How would someone going about go about checking and seeing if their employer would cover something like that? Yeah. So first they can check in with their HR department or their learning and development department and just see like, hey, is this already listed among the resources that you cover? And if not, um, we do have a template letter that they can use to sort of support uh, their request for coverage. Oftentimes people will be allowed to pay for it out of like their professional development budget or um, their manager might support covering it as a learning cost. Um, Or you can take it to HR and say, hey, this is actually something that I think a lot of our transitioning new parents might benefit from and see if they're willing to explore providing it to all new parents. That's an awesome idea. I love kind of not taking advantage, but utilizing what opportunities are there. You just kind of need to ask about. So yeah, yeah. I was talking to one company that said, you know, whenever our folks go out on parental leave, they tend not to use their learning and development budget because they're not around to use it um, because they're on leave. And so this is a perfect opportunity because it is all about growth and learning and development. And um, why not give them that opportunity to feel calmer and more confident about their return? That's amazing. Okay. So I think where I'd like to start is I would like to dive into this piece a little bit here. Like what, why is this called mindful return? What is this all about? Can you just kind of give me, give me the, the, the starting point here. What is it that you do? I got to know more. (laughs) Um, Well, I named the program Mindful Return because for me, mindfulness means two things. One, it means what we think of when we traditionally think of mindfulness, the ability to be where you are when you're there. So the ability to be present with your family when you are with them and the ability to be present in your job and your career when you're working. It also, mindfulness also to me means all of the mindful, thoughtful jujitsu planning that goes into making a single day function as a working parent. Yep. So I, all of our programs are really designed around one, helping people get present where they are and be present to the amazing life that they're creating while also giving them practical and tactical skills. So we work through four themes in each of our programs. Uh, the first theme is a mindful mindset. This is all about focusing on gratitude and perspective and abundance. The second theme is logistics. It's all about like navigating your schedule for work and how you're going to deal with navigating that uh, transition to childcare and putting food on your own dinner table at night and all the logistical stuff. Mm -hmm. The third piece is on leadership and how becoming a parent grows our leadership muscles. I wonder if you know this, Allison, but there's um, a neuroscience researcher at Yale Medical School who has discovered that the one year in the entire adult human experience when the brain is the most neuroplastic is the one year following the birth of one's child. And that is true for moms and for dads. So our brain is like exploding in that year after having a baby. And guess what? We're gaining all these career critical skills that we can use on our job, right? So like empathy and prioritization and the ability to meet the needs of demanding clients who can't articulate their needs very clearly. All of these things are really useful in parenthood. 
Okay, so that's the three. And then the fourth theme is building and staying in community and making sure you're not isolating yourself, crying on the kitchen floor like I did for way too long in early parenthood. So those are sort of the four things that we dig into in any mindful return course. Those also, it's kind of also outlined that way in your book. Uh, yes, Back exactly. to work after baby, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a similar yes. structure. I was, I looked at your, I read through it and then I looked at your table of contents. Cause I'm like, I feel like there was a lot of time on this one particular section and the table of contents also reflects that the logistics of going back to work <laughs> are absolutely insane. So I was actually yes. really happy that you included an extensive part of that was like, how do we actually make this work? You know? Mm. And then the other parts around it were really now, how do we come to terms with some of these new roles that mm-hmm. we're in and this new schedule and this new every, the new normal? Mm-hmm. How do we like make that sit well in our brains? Yeah, it's a whole identity shift, right? I mean, you're like working person and then suddenly you're working parent and working person and working parent are two totally different individuals. You bet. And I, I think it changes every time you have another baby as well because mm. once you figure out how to do it with one and then you add in two it just I feel like the transition to one is probably one of the hardest because your life really does a 180 but every baby after that too is just another added level of complexity yes we say in our household that one plus one equaled 85 for us yeah. um, that's what it felt <laughs> like anyway yeah. I think in terms of like learning how to breastfeed and do all the things related to keeping a baby alive um, was definitely harder for baby number one. But for us, it was just like the the toddler plus the baby. The toddler was, you know, our boys are two years apart. The toddler was potty training and was in the throes of like approaching three-nagerdom um, right at the time that we had the baby and just all the moving pieces were wild. And then, you know, he went off to pre-K and we had one, double drop off, double pickup, meaning like two different places where the kids each had to be every day. And like, holy moly, that was just a gigantic moving jigsaw puzzle every single day. Yep. And then now I'm sure yeah. you've got after school sports and things like that. So even though you're no yes. longer feeding and lactating and changing diapers and all of these things, we've got this whole nother level of, you know, logistics and logistics. planning and things yes. like that. Yeah. So yes, do yes, most yes. of There's the a lot of that, mental load. Yeah. Do the most of the people that um, come through your program, are they first time parents for the most part? You know, I expected that to be the case and yeah. it's not true. Really? Um, yeah. About half of our parents who come through are new parents and the other half are not. I have, you know, moms and dads in our courses who are on their second, third, I've had up to f- their fourth child. And, you know, when I ask the question, well, why are you here if you've done this before? The answer is often... Yeah, but the the return to work after parental leave went really poorly for me last time and I want to do it better. Or, yeah, but I'm feeling really isolated because I actually don't know all that many other working parents. Or, yeah, but I just want to hang out with other people who can like tell me I'm okay and that they're okay and we'll all get through this together. So um, I think it's, you know, people really looking for community as much as it is some of the like, how exactly do I execute this one task? That's interesting that you say that because I find that exact same thing in my program, which is specifically mm-hmm. geared around pumping for working moms. So how mm. do we not, I mean, it is heavy in the logistics department. How do we actually like put this on and make this work, but also mm-hmm. how do we adjust our mindset to this new normal? Because mm-hmm. most of the moms I work with are breastfeeding and pumping. So mm-hmm. they kind of have the best and the worst worlds of 
of both of those areas. Yes. And so how do we adjust our mindset to say like, look, if you're breastfeeding at home, pumping at work, this is actually the normal. Like we're not going to be having tons of extra milk. You know, I expected a lot of first time moms who just were like, I don't know anything. Sign me up. But I bet it's about half. And for the same exact reasons that you Mm -hmm. said, it went really badly the first time or (laughs) they just feel really lonely and want to make sure they're doing it right and want Mm -hmm. some other people to talk to that are in the same boat. So it, yeah, I I bet my statistics are almost exactly what <laughs> as well. That's reassuring. We all just need help. That's the bottom line. I know. I know. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this really sparked because of your story and your experience going back yeah. to work. Is that right? Kind of where you shifted your business model. Yeah. So I mean, it was after my second child arrived in the scene, and I was in this really dark place that I quipped to my husband who he's an MBA entrepreneur type. I'm a lawyer risk averse type. And I was like, there should be something out there that, you know, really helps with the transition. And I took an online course myself called the Abundant Mama Project. I don't think it exists anymore, but it was run by this woman named Sean Fink, who's still a coach in Pennsylvania. And it was an online cohort-based course for parent for moms who had kids of all different ages, all about finding the abundance in life instead of the gratitude. And I said, oh my gosh, we need something like this, but we need it for that transition back to work after having a baby. And my husband looked at me and he goes, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) I was like, oh gosh, darn it. I guess I should do something about it. And so I sat there and, you know, my hands were shaking and I started my first blog post that probably nobody ever read, but you know, you get scared when you're starting to put ideas out into the world. And then I started a working parent group at my office. Um, That was sort of my next step because I looked around my office and said, holy moly, this might be a family-friendly workplace, but nobody's talking about this return to work. And I had mom after mom come into my office and shut the door and burst into tears and say, this is so hard. And why is it hard? And I don't understand. And I didn't know it was going to be like this. And anyway, so that's sort of what motivated me to start Mindful Return. And I started it as just a little side gig, you know, 20 minutes a night and ultimately shifted it over time to what it is now, but um, slowly by slowly, you know, over an eight-year period. We have such similar stories. Mine was the same. (laughs) It was really hard going back to work after my first baby. I could not make pumping work. And eventually I'm like, more moms need help doing this and Mm -hmm. I can do this. You know, I have these skills. We'll just start it slow. And now it is where it is. So I think Mm -hmm. all good things start from a place of going through this first and (laughs) really relating to the people you're trying to help. Was there anything that you found that kind of helped get you out of that slump or maybe changed your mindset on how you viewed some of the really difficult parts of work as a young working parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely the Abundant Mama course that I mentioned. Um, I felt just this huge weight lifted after I took the course. And a couple of things really helped. One, I was in this cohort of moms all over the world who were facing the exact same struggles. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so far from being unique (laughs) in any of this which was just validating and really helpful. And two, the skills that we learned through the course were all about finding the good. And so when my baby was waking up every you know two to three hours in the middle of the night and I was exhausted, I was able to reframe the, okay, well, I this is the cuddle time that I have with my baby right now. And just really practicing hard, the getting into a hardcore gratitude practice where I literally was writing down five to 10 things every single night that I was grateful for. And just digging hard into gratitude. So that's why we put gratitude in sort of the first week of our mindful return course as well, because there is a a mindset shift. Um, 
I've also been really influenced by the work of Yael Schoenbrunn, who is um, a a therapist at Brown University. And she just recently wrote a book that came out called Work, Parent, Thrive. And it is all about the idea that there is, yes, there's, you know, work-life tension, but there's also work-life enrichment. And there are so many gains from parenthood that we can have in our work lives lives and there are so many gains in our work lives that we can get from parenthood and pausing to do both actually makes both of them stronger so i love um that that mindset shift that she gives us that's funny you mentioned that book i'm pretty sure when i bought your book i also bought that book <laughs> like in the same order <laughs> amazon recommended the two of them to you perhaps and I was yes like, ooh that looks good too yeah oh, yeah it's wonderful yeah 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 and it's all science backed strategies and like very practical ways that we can reframe our language um as we talk to ourselves um you know just even changing get to or have to to get to right? I have to go do this thing. I have to pick up my kid this afternoon. I get to go pick up my kid this afternoon. I get to pause my work and turn off the work side of my brain for an hour and then come back to work later. So whenever I hear advice like that, it seems like so simple. So why Mm. are we not doing this? It's not easy. Why am I not actually putting that into practice in my own life? That doesn't sound that hard. Yeah. That's a great question, Allison, and I'm I'm just going to throw out a couple of thoughts and maybe you have some as well. Yeah. But one of them is our brains are wired for negativity. Um, and so the automatic habit and the automatic place that our brain goes is to like the more negative place over the positive place to society tells us that working parenthood is a struggle. And that is the narrative that we get from all angles and sides. And we're supposed to be guilty and we're supposed to be slogging through it. And so I think anything that counters that narrative is like sort of pushing the boulder uphill a little bit. And we're just not wired to to hear those narratives. And then three is habit formation, pure and simple habit formation. Like I started a habit, which I wrote about in the book of um, having a pause in my daily shower. So, you know, I came up with an acronym called ISS or intention, stretch, and savor, where I set an intention for my day while I'm in the shower, I stretch, and I savor the fact that I'm alone in a shower without any small people attached to me, and there's hot water and all the good stuff. And it took weeks for me to ingrain that habit into my head, right? And so I think we don't do the stuff because we have a good intention, and then we don't hold ourselves accountable, and we don't get an accountability buddy, and we don't make up an acronym, and it doesn't stick, right? But then once you do it, and it sticks... That's where the real magic happens, because then you are literally rewiring your brain in all these different ways. I could see we're going through a a step-by-step course with the intention to, to do that all in one would be really helpful mm. because mm-hmm. that is a great exercise. But I'm thinking those exact same things you just said. Who's going to hold me accountable to this? Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how am I actually going to come up with my own little acronym of things that are important to me? And am I actually yeah. going to do it? And to be honest, probably not. But that's why I think it would be helpful to go through this, like invest, even if you invested your own money into a program like mm-hmm. that, really mm-hmm. walking through this, how can I make this transition into parenthood fit into my life in a way that is good mm-hmm. so that these, what I feel a lot is, is this pulling motherhood is pulling me this way, which I love and work is pulling me this way, which I also love. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to find the times that I've been happiest is when I've been able to to have those stop pulling at each other. And there's just, they're just harmoniously living together. Right. But that's not an easy place to stay. And, and I I feel like that just having a more mindful 
life would be so helpful in in a lot of areas. I <laughs> yeah, I think finding finding those moments of pause in every day are so important. And I just wanted to read this one line that I've been like quoting all the time now from Work Parent Thrive, where you know Yael is um she interviews an MBA professor Jeffrey Greenhouse, and he's he's talking to his um students in his MBA class. And he says, I really pe- believe people should avoid a conflict between work and family. And here's how to do it. Don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't care about other family members. Don't take responsible jobs and don't seek to develop new skills. In other words, don't be involved in life. That's the best way to avoid conflict. So I love that for the idea that you know, we just have to laugh at ourselves when we're like, oh, I just wish I didn't have this conflict. Do you really wish you didn't have the conflict? Like maybe the conflict is what is making our lives rich and amazing. What an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I think what it was interesting to hear what you said earlier that our brains are kind of wired for negativity. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, that's not true. But then I was like, oh, okay, yes, that's yes. probably true. because that's <laughs> <laughs> It's what keeps us alive, right? We're right? risk averse. We're afraid that we're going to be attacked by saber-toothed tigers, right? Our brains have not had a hard wire update in centuries. Yes. Neuroscientists would say. Yes. Sorry. Go sometimes on. it's just reframing mm-hmm. the, the thing and, like you just said. Yeah. And I don't mean to discount the fact that our society, our culture is not set up to support working parents. And I don't mean to discount the fact that it is huge that we don't have paid leave in the United States. It is huge that um, a lot of our enterprises were built for single men or men with wives at home who took care of the family. Like I can't get away from the fact that our systems are messed up. And there are things that while we are living within a messed up system, we can do to help ourselves feel a lot better. I am so happy you said that. I've said this on my podcast before, but we just came from Europe because we're military. Mm -hmm. So we were living over there Mm -hmm. for three years. I worked heavily with the NATO community. So there was like 33 countries and moms from all over would come. And I helped teach the childbirth classes and did some breastfeeding education, Mm. little doula work there as well. It Mm -hmm. was shocking to hear their maternity leaves that their countries provided them. I hated the United States after talking with these mothers. (laughs) Unreal. They would get years of paid parental leave at 80% of their wage. The, mm-hmm. And I just, there was other sacrifices. Don't get me wrong. The, they had higher taxes and the yeah. government was more involved in their lives. And so it was, it was a trade-off for sure. But mm-hmm. oh my word, these, these parents could stay home. Often it was the mothers because they were the ones feeding the baby and be paid for it and go back to their career when they were ready. The people, a lot of people over there really worked to live. They didn't mm-hmm. live to work. Like I think a lot yes. of the mindset is in the United States. Yes, I lived in France for a year between college and law school and definitely noticed that You felt that, that too? Absolutely. And yeah. I am certain that it really sort of affected how I approached the law upon my return because I had much more of a, I'm going to live and not die working uh, mentality, which was not the case for many of my law school classmates. No. Oh my word. It was just really interesting. I, I, I blame ignorance, but I just hadn't, I'd heard that before, but to see Mm. it in real life was painful. It made me painfully aware of what Mm -hmm. mothers and not everywhere had great maternity leave, but the U.S. is particularly terrible. But it's also it's truly a life and death issue. I just read a report that came out from a study um, related to infant mortality that is correlated to paid parental leave. And when California implemented a paid parental leave law, they noticed um, 
infant mortality rates dropped dramatically upon the implementation of the law. And so there was an estimate that the study came out with just last week that said um, we would save a thousand babies' lives if we had three months of paid parental leave across the United States. A thousand lives a year. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I, I don't have words for how awful some of our parental leave systems are. Really unsupportive of mm-hmm. of goals. And in in my field where we're, we're really focused on lactating parents, mm-hmm. you know, they just changed the guidelines and, you know, recommended up mm-hmm. to two years of infant feed, you know, breastfeeding milk. And that, how are parents supposed to do that? We can't. Double-edged sword there. Like, oh thank you for goodness. the permission and holy moly, we can barely make it to three months. So what are you talking about? Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed in your book, you did tackle a little bit of pumping, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Let's dive into that a little bit. I know you mentioned that that was a particularly difficult part of your own journey. Um, yeah. What for parents that are also lactating and trying to deal with that at work, what are some of the hardest parts of going back to work after maternity leave that you've kind of come across working with parents? Yeah, um, I'm happy to dig into those and also to share any part of my personal story that would be helpful. But I think one of the big issues is clearly just the time, right? The blocking the time, the often the ability to block the time is the carving of a boundary. And in order to carve a boundary, you have to communicate about that boundary. And to communicate, you often have to feel comfortable broaching a subject or feel comfortable about talking about it. And there are many workplaces where it is not normalized to be talking about breastfeeding and breastfeeding is taboo. And oh my gosh, you know, people's faces are going to turn red and how dare we talk about breasts. And um, so there's just like that cultural stigma that I think people are overcoming. There are, you know, demanding jobs that make it near impossible for people to take those breaks. Um, There are workplaces that aren't set up physically or culturally to support it. Um, I mean, there are laws now that require an employer who has 50 or more employees to have a designated non-bathroom clean spot for for an employee. But I think there's just a general lack of understanding, especially a general lack of understanding by a lot of male leaders who often run a lot of organizations. Um, I remember when I was um, pumping and, you know, had just recently started the new working parent group and our office moved from one location to another. And upon the the opening of the new office, lots of things were ready, but some things were not. And one of the things that was not ready when the office opened was the breastfeeding space. And so new moms had to like go down to their car or find a bathroom or somewhere to pump. And an analogy that one of my colleagues made to the facilities services department, which was pretty much all men, was imagine that you were sent to an office and you couldn't use a bathroom all day. What would you do? Like it's the same like human need to <laughs> release something uh, that imagine if you couldn't pee and they told you to come back into this brand new office, you would say this building is not yet fit for for use. It's the same thing for pumping moms. So mm-hmm. stigma, carving out time, the energy, the stress of like, am I getting enough milk out? I mean, you know, all of these, the, the things that run wild through a, a new parent's mind. Um, am I missing something in the meeting that I'm not going to because I'm pumping and what is my boss going to think and all that good stuff? I've been really surprised as I've dived into this, this space pumping for working moms. I, I'm, I honestly thought it was 95% logistics and then like mm-hmm. 5% like get over it and like stick to your schedule. It, you'll fine. 
I have been surprised at the shift that has been there as, as my program kind of lives in updates and stuff, a lot more of the content and the lessons are focused around your mindset and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. reframing normal and mm-hmm. how to communicate to a boss or to coworkers yeah. that are unsupportive or yourself or your partner mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. just doesn't get the amount of work that it is to be working <laughs> and lactating and caring for an infant. Um, your workday is not your workday anymore. You have to also yeah. fit in milk and it's yes. And feeding yourself so you can produce the milk because you have to like eat twice as much. Yes. But also produce the same amount of results in the workplace as you were previously with less Mm -hmm. time and less brain Mm -hmm. space. That's a lot to manage. And I, you know, kind of, I get it from the employer standpoint, like it's not my problem that you're lactating, (laughs) like the work still needs done, but also this is life. And I, I wish there was just more understanding for one of the need of a a good, solid, positive mindset, or maybe not even realistic, like a realistic mindset. Yeah. I mean, when I, I do not to interrupt, but I do manager training. And what I tell the managers is it's a normal human thing to do to eat. (laughs) And that's basically what we're doing here is allowing our babies to eat. And so when we can frame it as something everybody understands, Hopefully that helps make the point that there's no like stigma here. It's just food. I also really like the analogy of of it telling someone, would you like it if your meals were prepared in the bathroom? Bathroom, yes. That's what you're <laughs> asking me to do for my baby. Uh-huh. And yeah. Really just making that poignant. I'm not going to ask you to go down to your car to pee every two hours. You shouldn't be asking me to do that. Right. To pump, right. you know, or making your sandwich in the restroom. Like, yeah, I'm sure right. you can find a way to do that as clean as possible, but that's gross. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yes. there's just so many aspects of going back to work. If you had kind of like an elevator pitch or like a favorite nugget, you only had this mom for two minutes and she was like struggling and you weren't ever going to see her again. Is there anything you could kind of just, okay, here's like one little thing, maybe try this and that will start you on the path to mm-hmm. having a better mindset around going back to work. I know it's really hard to condense everything you know and do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you... Or maybe just a practical tip that we can try as as working parents here. Yeah, I'd say two things. One, like the number of times you can just repeat to yourself, like, I got this and my baby's going to be okay. Like all day, if you have to, like, I am enough. I'm going to figure this out. I always do. One foot in front of the other is the general sentiment. The other thing i I just share is that I have um, recorded a couple of meditations on insight timer that are specifically for pumping. And so I would offer people the opportunity just to listen to them and see if it helps you to calm down and relax as you are getting ready for pumping. So if you look up mindful return on insight timer, they're all free and it's, there's a short one for like just getting a letdown. And then there's a longer one for a whole pump session that hopefully you can bring in a little bit of calm into your daily life, including into the times that you're pumping. Ooh, I'm going to be there for sure right after I get <laughs> awesome. off the call with you. <laughs> Go find those. That yeah. sounds really cool. Something, when you were talking, it just sparked a thought for me. Something that I've mm-hmm. been doing over the last years, I've really started working more full-time again, um, now that my mm-hmm. three little ones are, mm-hmm. are kind of getting to that place, is I've created a monthly like background on my computer, and it has both my work goals and reminders of my motherhood goals as well, Mm, kind of all in one. And I really, Mm -hmm. I like seeing that every day, kind of that 
I find a lot of identity and self-purpose in working. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of working moms do. Some working parents hate their job and wish they could be home. And my heart hurts for you that you have to work um, and you got to find your own way around that. But I love it. I also Mm -hmm. love being a mother. And so for me, that's been a really helpful thing is just to have that reminder of both my motherhood goals and reasons why I do this and why I live and mm-hmm. also my my work goals and kind of setting that intention. For me, it's a, mo- a monthly intention, um, mm-hmm. but I am going to try and set daily intentions. I really liked your idea of doing that as well. Yeah. Multitask the shower. It's like the safest place <laughs> to have some coordinated off time. Um, you know, I love the idea of having those goals visible and in front of you. For a long time, I had... Um, I had a password on my computer that was tied to a reminder of one of those I read goals. that in so, your book. That yeah, is such a yeah. clever idea. Um, without sure telling like us in your, your passwords, head. can you give me like an example of what something like that might be? Um, I mean, like if you're, you, know, you could do a you are enough with a U and a little R and yeah. E and U effort, whatever. Just something that like is a mantra to remind yourself not to compare yourself to the rest of the world or, you know, the, the Teddy Roosevelt quote, comparison is the thief of joy is like my go-to mantra in working parenthood. So if you can figure out how to turn that into a password, I mean, by all means. <laughs> Share it with all of us too, so we can all use it. And then, I mean, it's probably yeah, not right. the most thing ever, but I love it. Yeah. I, okay. I have already learned so much and I'm actually going to go dig through some of your stuff and maybe even go through your course myself. It sounds really helpful, not only as a working parent, but also just mm. for life. I, mm-hmm. what, as we kind of close up, what are some of the benefits you found of keeping a gratitude journal or being really mindful of gratitude mm. in, in your life? I would love to to kind of end on that happy, positive note. What benefits have you seen? Oh, I love that. Yes. And we are recording this in the week that is Thanksgiving in the US. So it's also totally appropriate. Um, So some of the benefits of gratitude journaling, I mean, I think it's helpful even just to think about gratitude, but I think it really cements it into your your mind and your soul when you write it down. Um, Include for me when I did it at night, being able to fall asleep faster because Mm -hmm my mind was in a much better place. It had the effect of turning off the to-do list and reorienting my brain in a calmer direction for sleep. Um, It had the benefit of really reframing things in my day that maybe I wished had gone a different way. And it serves the purpose of being a really wonderful uh, historical tool to go back and look at. Like I can look and see what my you know, what sweet little thing my kid said when he was three or, um, you know, what I was thinking about and 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 really treasured at that time in my life. So it's sort of a, a written record, a chronicle, if you will, uh, of the good things as well. So the lots lo- and lots of benefit, benefits to the gratitude practice. The logistical part of me really wants to know, like, how you go about doing that. Do you just have like a yeah. notebook that you have yeah. just for that? Plain or- old notebook just for hey. that next to the bed with a pen. Yes. And exactly. do you have a number you shoot for every day? Like I got to write down five, five. Okay. Yeah. I, I would shoot for five, but you know what? Like don't stress about it. And if, if you have the same thing that you wrote yesterday, great, but you know, you can, you can dig. I, I suspect there are many things when you start thinking micro, like how is that panini sandwich that you had for lunch? And what about the kiss that your uh, little one slobbered on you right before they walked out the door or the fact that like you 
actually had two minutes and you swept up the, the kitchen floor. So now the Cheerios are gone. You know, I mean, they can be little tiny things. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm grateful for some massive change that just happened in my life. I like that because sometimes I get overwhelmed. Like I have to come up with something new or something big, you know, but even just writing down something cute that my little one said that made me smile. I like that you've given me permission that that's okay to to write. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I just, I think as a type A working mom, which I think a lot are kind of like micro (laughs) kind of get into these rules. Like it has to be this way, but just kind of giving permission that it doesn't, no one's going to check this and like grade it. So (laughs) no, not at all. And you know, bonus points, bonus points. If you can share one or two of those things with someone else in your life, like, can you say to your partner as y'all are going to bed, like, Hey, I just wanted to share with you that like really this really silly thing that our three-year-old said, Um, you know, there's a principle in positive psychology called capitalization, where when you share your wins with other people, it actually like exponentially magnifies the effect for you. So it's cool if you sit and write in a gratitude journal, it's even cooler if you can share a couple of those uh, things that you're grateful for with someone in your life. I think when this podcast episode airs, I'm going to make a post on Instagram and ask everyone listening, if you've made it this far in the episode, (laughs) go and share with us something that you're grateful for, even if it's silly or little. And I would really love, I'll tag you there too. So hopefully we can both Mm -hmm. see their running list. I would love to know from you listeners, like what is a little something that you're grateful for today? It does not have to be pumping or parenthood or anything related, (laughs) but anything, I think that would be a little fun. We'll do that. And we'll link it in the show notes so you can find it easily. So. Love that idea. Yeah, we'll, we'll publicly use capitalization to help ourselves feel a little better on social media. We're going to make this work together. I We're all yes. going to get there. <laughs> we are. I think we're, you know, enough people think thankful. I'm grateful for the digital age. Like we mm-hmm. have people like you and me who have been through some hard things. We've learned a lot along the way and we want to make it easier for others so they don't have to go through it quite as hard the mm-hmm. first time. And we yeah. also have the avenues to help do that. And mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for that, that I don't have to go pound doors and find you guys. You can find <laughs> us online yeah. and get the help and support that you need, even if it is virtual. And then that can give mm-hmm. you the confidence to go out in your own community and find real life physical friends and support too, you know? So I love mm-hmm. that. Is there anything Thank else you'd you. like to share with us before we um, end today? Just any last thoughts mm. on we're talking specifically to working mothers here on this podcast. What would you like to share with them as some some final thoughts? Yeah, the, there's a big, wild and wonderful community of working parents out there who have your back and who know what you're going through. And so if you're ever sitting there feeling isolated and feeling like you are the only one who is experiencing X and no one understands this thing that you're going through... Just know that you are absolutely not alone in any of this. We've all had that same exact thought. We've, If I can just share one tiny quick Please story do. along those Please lines. Do. A couple of weeks ago, my son, my youngest son, had worn his costume over the weekend and Halloween fell on a Monday. And so by the time Monday morning rolled around, he was not so interested in wearing it. And he got a little you know, antagonistic and said, I don't want to wear this costume to school, even though students were wearing the costumes to school. And I said, that's okay. No worries. You don't have to wear the costume, but maybe throw it into your bag in case you change your mind. So put it in your backpack. And he was stomped out of the house and said, no, 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 I'm not putting it in my backpack. So I got over to the schoolyard, right? Where I'm dropping the kids off in the playground. And I kid you not, there is a mom standing right at the fence 
with a bag in her hand saying to her daughter, well, just put it in your backpack in case you change your mind. And I was like, nothing that comes out of my mouth in parenthood is unique. Absolutely nothing. So to me, it is just very reassuring to know that like, we're all totally doing the same thing. We're all having the same struggles and we should just stand in solidarity with that. Isn't that funny? I come across that very, very often too, that someone will have a a struggle or concern or a thought that I have had many, many times. And, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm not unique and you're not really either. And we're all like doing this. (laughs) All just human. We are all humaning. Did you already give this a definition of insanity? Is like doing the same thing over and over, over and, and over, expecting, expecting a, a different, different result. result. Yeah, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. we're doing. We're all trying to reinvent the wheel here, and it's a joke. Like the wheel's already been yeah. reinvented. Like let's just figure out how to make it work better yes. and faster all together. Indeed, yeah. So Gloria, we're we're all in this together. I yes. know. <laughs> I have absolutely loved this conversation today. Thank you so much for sharing. I actually wrote down some notes while we were talking of a few things that I'm going to implement in my own life, because this is, we all, we never stop learning. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it can be easy to see professionals, especially teachers and and educators like you and I, like we've got it all together. We know all the answers. We we really, really don't. And I'm learning too. And so I thank you for sharing a few of those things. And I'm going to I actually already read most of your book, but I might go back and kind of just really dig into some of those things now that Mm. I know you and we've chatted because I think there's a lot of gold there. So thank you so much for sharing that. You are welcome. And yes, life is a constant learning process. We are always learning. We're always humaning. Every day is just one messy, messy thing to figure out. Oh, we are on the same page. You're going to be able to find everything that Lori and I chatted about down in the show notes. Lots of links, lots of help. This is the episode to go and check that out because there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot from both of us down there. So thanks again, Lori, for chatting with us today. And hopefully we'll speak again soon. Thanks for having me on, Allison. I loved our conversation. Thank you. Bye.